straight from 3D Plus. Welcome to How I Made That, a show about the people in and around the game industry and the things they make. My guest this episode is Andrew Schimmel, associate producer for Built by Snowman. Snowman is probably most well known for its mobile snowboarding games, Alto's Adventure and Alto's Odyssey. But in September of 2019, Snowman hit the ground running with the launch of Apple Arcade, releasing two new games with the debut of the platform. Where Cards Fall, developed in tandem with that game band who recently put out the viral success Blazeball, and Skate City, made in collaboration with Agents, an independent developer based in Oslo, Norway. I sat down with Andrew to talk about the latter, how Snowman got involved with making Skate City, his personal relationship with skateboarding, and how hard it is to launch a skateboarding game on a touchscreen. I ended up learning a lot about Apple Arcade as a service, what it's like to launch a game during skateboarding's mini renaissance in the game industry, and how being hit by a car actually changed Andrew's career path forever. Enjoy our chat. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Happy to be here. So, start me at the very beginning. Take me through the nitty gritty of how you got into skateboarding. Uh, personally or for the game? Personally. Personally, okay, cool. We're going way back into the archives. So I think I was probably in about grade five, fifth grade in the states. We call it grade five in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony Hawk had just come out, so like the the craze has like swept the nation. Everyone's obsessed with skating. Everyone's wearing baggy jeans. Everyone's trying to get like the shoes and getting fully swept up in the image and all that. And this uh, is the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one okay. for like Nintendo N sixty four. All my friends have like a PlayStation. I had the N sixty four version, and uh, we have this local like hardware store called Canadian Tire here, and it's kind of like a Walmart, but like a more like friendly Canadian version. But uh, we would, we all went and got skateboards from like Canadian Tire for like twenty bucks or something, and then proceeded to try to like learn every trick you could, and realized very fast that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is more of like a jetpack simulator versus real life skateboarding and uh you know we would like i remember one day me and my friends collected like all the candles we could find in the house of my mother's candles and like melted them in a pot and tried to like pour them all over the curbs to try to learn how to like grind and it didn't work at all (laughs) and then she like found the pot a little bit later i got in like a ton of shit um but yeah like that phase lasted for a couple of years probably and then uh, I kind of, I got more into snowboarding. And then I did that probably for like the next 10 to 15 years. And then, um, but we, you know, we always played like the Tony Hawk games all the way up to probably like number five and then kind of fell off. Um, and we always sort of knew we wanted to make a skateboarding game in the back of our minds. And uh, we actually played a ton of Tony Hawks uh, one, two, and three while we were making Alto's Adventure. Um, we went out on like Kijiji and got like a like an old school PS2 and like got all the games and fired them up just to kind of try to see why they were so fun and why they're so addictive and like how they sort of gamified the idea of skateboarding but made it more like a like what I would call like a a gamery game like it's you know insane combos and like the the core loop is really really cool and super original so uh, we kind of yeah. like tried to get into a little bit of that and like take some inspiration from there. Well, I, I guess with the uh, with the benefit of hindsight, what do you think it was about the Tony Hawk games that attracted you to the actual sport itself? Like actually getting trying skateboarding in the real world, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Like, um, I grew up in a pretty small town, so there weren't like a lot of skaters going around. So like, 
back then you kind of only got inspired by what you saw on TV or it was kind of in like your local neighborhood, sort of what your friends were doing. Like you kind of got into like phases and tried out lots of different things. But the Tony Hawk games were like, I think like back then you would like, me and my friends would only get like maybe one or two games a year. Like we didn't have like a huge collection or anything. And now it's like you have every, you can fill bookshelves with games like every year if you have the means. Um, But it was something, it was just like the perfect timing. Like MTV was huge that like, alt rock scene was like massive it was like they just like they capitalized on like this culture point like perfectly and came up with this like really fun game that like really highlighted all like the cool aspects of sort of like the counterculture skateboard scene and uh yeah it took it took over did you get deep into skateboarding were you like trying to like seek out skate videos and magazines at the time uh, my, my, uh, my friend Ryan, who also runs Snowman, was, like, much more in the scene than I was, for sure. Sure. Um, like, he's got, he's got all the old VHS tapes and everything. I was, like, very surface level. Like, I think I learned how to, like, shove it and frontside shove it and ruin all my mom's candles. <laughs> and then, like, I was like, okay, I can't skateboard. Like, it's not, it's not in the jeans. But, uh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I'm about. But, yeah, like, working on this game, I'd, like completely become consumed with it and you know like testing it over and over and making these videos that like drove me back into like i've got to know what that like feels like again so like i went out and bought a skateboard last year and uh i've been just slowly trying to like relearn it and like push myself and get back into the sport and it's a ton of fun it's like super super yeah, yeah. skateboarding i mean i guess any sport to an extent is but skateboarding more than a lot of other sports like getting into that is just accepting you're going to be hurt all the time what's it like like getting back into it as an adult now it's crazy it's absolutely insane like all my (laughs) friends like tease me all the time they're like are you sure and i'm like yeah yeah no by the time i turn like 31 i'm gonna learn how to kickflip for the first time (laughs) and it seems like a like i don't know for, for like depending on your perspective it might seem silly but um yeah, it's a super punishing sport. Like, you're going to get hurt, like, regularly while you try to learn. And, like, learning how to do anything with your feet is way harder than learning how to um, use your hands. Like, soccer is harder to learn than basketball or football or anything like that. Like, um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just tougher. And then you, you throw in, like, the fact that you're rolling around on four wheels and uh, some unforgiving concrete, and, like, it'll turn people off pretty quickly. So, yeah. Sure. It's like, yeah, you got to tackle that uh, skill curve slowly and uh, and accept that you're going to get some bumps and bruises for sure. Skateboarding is, like, weirdly regional. Like, mm. I think, de- especially here in the States, I should say, like, depending on where you live, like, there's very specific skateboarding scenes. And even how people skate is very different on the East Coast versus the West Coast. But in mm. Canada, like Toronto specifically, where you are, is there a skateboarding scene at all there? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty big. Like, we don't have any, like, really crazy parks. Like, there's one that's pretty cool by my place. Uh, it's, like, under it's under an underpass. It's called the Underpass Park. And they have, like, a couple boxes and rails. But uh, it's pretty basic. And then they have sure. a, a couple really cool ones. Like, they have, like, their version of, like, the Venice Skate Park up by the beaches. There's this place called the Woodwind Beaches. And uh, they've got, like, a big skate park with, like, a huge bowl and, like, all these, like, pretty harrowing features. There's a lot of really. T- Anytime I go there, I'm like blown away. Like people just go there to like watch uh, people skateboard, just like in Venice. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, like the the city itself, like the downtown core, 
might be one of the least skate friendly places to try to get into it like we have a ton of traffic and like there's a ton of cyclists there's not a lot of spots to skate that being said like there's some really cool hidden spots that like i've Mm -hmm. seen people skate at and been pretty impressed by we also have like uh very canadiana we have like a lot of hockey rinks that get converted into skate parks as soon as like Mm -hmm. the winter's over and those are big scenes there's one on bathurst and dundas that's pretty popular um uh, Nigel Houston was there like this this summer actually it was kind of like a big deal he just like kind of showed up and was like skating there but uh, oh awesome yeah yeah it's pretty good so uh, obviously I want to get you know deep into Skate City and Snowman but I, I was looking at your LinkedIn this morning and a lot of your early <laughs> jobs are in healthcare is that like was that your original career path yeah 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 I've worked a lot of different jobs for sure uh, LinkedIn is so funny we often kind of like joke around about it but like uh, none of the people I work with take it too seriously or like use it really. So sure. very outdated. But um, yeah, like I I, uh, I went to school initially for kinesiology, and I wanted to be like a sports medicine person. And then I yeah. came out of that, and due to like sort of some family experiences, um, I chose to get into nursing. And I did nursing school for two years, and then worked for a year as a nurse and then I was going back to school to upgrade my degree so I could get a better position um, and during that time I was living with two of my friends in Toronto and working as a bike courier actually and just kind of like oh, wow. making ends meet while I was going to school and then in the meantime they were working on this like they, they, they were like app developers and they're working on this new game like it was very early in the app store and they wanted to do a snowboarding game because there was no really good snowboarding games out there and they were looking at a lot of the games that were pretty fun, that are endless runners, and they kind of felt like, oh, we could definitely do a fun snowboarding game that was much more like artistically driven and like, looks really nice on like, the iPhone and the iPad. So that was Alto's adventure. And uh, while I was going to school and like working in the city, um, I would test that for them because I played like a ton of video games, and I just kind of like did QA for them for fun. It was like it was a two-person company back then. And uh, along with the artist and the programmer that worked on it with them, Harry Nesbitt. And um, yeah, I would just like test it and like we'd come up with ideas. We did like the original goal set for the game. And then uh, it came out and was like wildly successful. And they were like, hey, if you ever want to work on like work with us, like you could do that. And it just kind of seemed kind of crazy. <laughs> like I was like, I'm yeah. not going to like ditch my career and go try to make video games. <laughs> like it seemed like one of those like, I don't know, like a movie or something. But um, the, while they were working on the second game, it just became a little bit more... I got, I got more into it. I learned more about the industry, more about like the actual positions. And uh, unfortunately, I got hit by a car really badly on my bike. Oh, so uh, I couldn't go to school or work for quite a while. Like I broke a whole bunch of bones in my face and did all this kind of crazy reconstructive stuff I had to get done. And during that time, they were like, yeah, just like work for us full time. Like You can work from your computer and like it's like that was kind of like a godsend so uh i did more qa on that title and worked on a couple other projects and kind of got my feet wet more in the industry and then over the course of that first year working like part-time with them uh, i decided like this is really really cool it's really fun to be creative and work with these like amazingly talented people um, in an industry i wasn't really familiar with and so i just kind of took a leap of faith and like started working with them and 
yeah, I haven't looked back since, honestly. That was, I think, four and a half years ago. Yeah. For Snowman, I've been following you all since Alto's Adventure. And when you announced Skate City, like, because of the Alto games, there was some precedent there. But can you walk me through how you all got to doing the skateboarding game? Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool story. Like, it's just like a, a an amazing, like, fortunate event. Like, it's kind of like when lightning strikes, you have to like sort of take advantage of it. Um, but the original concept designer for Skate City, his name is Daniel Zeller, and he's from Norway. Um, and he was he had designed uh, an initial game called Skate Lines, and it was sort of like a proof of concept to do this like side scrolling skateboarding game. And they were he worked for a company called Agents, who was our development partners on the project. And uh, they were gearing up to like do the sequel, and he just reached out asking like uh, a couple questions about some shaders that we used on Alto's adventure and how we did some of the effects. And uh, Ryan initially was chatting with him. Ryan's our CEO at Cena, at, at Snowman, and he kind of just answered him. They got to chatting about skateboarding, and like they ended up uh, lining up a lot like on their childhood. Like uh, Daniel like grew up skateboarding, wanted to go pro, was like a super talented skater. Um, yeah. got, got injured, couldn't pursue it anymore, became a developer, and then kind of like channeled his passion into wanting to create an experience that people could really connect with that like skated before or always loved skateboarding and wanted to feel what street skating was really like and like capture some of that authentic feeling of just kind of like being lost out in the streets and like being in the zone. Um, so from that point in time, like, we were like, oh, this is a super cool project. Like, if you guys ever want any more advice or, like, uh, help with publishing, it's like, we, we do that as well. Like, we, we'd love to work on the project. And uh, we had a few meetings and, like, talked about, like, some design concepts for the game. And everything really just, like, lined up really well. So we decided to work on it together. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and then that was, you know, three, it was three years, like, working on this game between both studios. Um, mm. A lot of different people worked on the project. The team has been different sizes at different times. Um, a lot of different creative, artistic inputs and takes have gone into it. So it's really the product of a lot of people's hard work. And uh, that's kind of how we got involved with it. Yeah, when you all got involved, how far along was the project? Yeah, I think there was, there was one and a half levels done. Um, okay. We expanded each level quite a bit. And... Uh, the control schemes changed uh, a bit after we got on board, but we added like the extra quadrants. So you use like the phone in four quadrants to uh, right. to do all the tricks, and then a controller use the joysticks and bumpers. But um, yeah, like the the visuals came quite a far away. We changed a lot of controls. We added a lot of tricks. Uh, we improved the spaces. We added the the whole challenge system had to be added in. Like. All, all the little things that went into that game took a really long time to balance and get just right. And it was always like this, and it still is, it's, it's, it's always like a constant struggle between like, what's the next most important thing that you want to get into your game? Like, do you want to mm. put more skateboarding tricks in, or do you want to put more animation so that each trick looks a little bit different each time you do it? Do you want to get like the arms just right, or like low sure. tricks versus higher tricks? Uh, like in terms of like your pop. Uh, do you want to add more challenges for people so they can play longer? Um, there's a lot of different things to sort of balance and sort of determine what, where the like the most important priorities lie. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it took quite a while to get it where it was and like we obviously launched on Apple Arcade. So um, 
a lot of the the last like year or so of development was like polishing things up and also getting it working on iPad, iPhone, Macs, Apple TV controller support. So making sure all yeah. those things work seamlessly across the board is was like a pretty big undertaking. Um, but yeah, definitely worth it. Just to be clear, agents they're like they're a partner, right? Like Snowman doesn't own them. Hmm. Yeah, they're an independent company, and they're like they're the like the hardcore development day to day is done at Agent Studio in Norway. Is that the same with like that game band who's doing baseball and did Where Cards Fall with you? Uh yeah, slightly similar. Uh, with, we we partner okay. with a lot of like indie devs. Like it's a, it's actually like a cool part of being in the community of like indie devs. Everyone's like very eager to like help each other out, and one of our like. Uh, good fortunes has been able to be work, working with so many different teams around the world and like uh, partnering in different capacities. So like that game band that makes workouts fall and baseball um, has gone from two people up to 40 people back down to like six people, depending on where the project is. And they handle yeah. much more of it's like secluded. Whereas with, um, with Skate City, it's like, it's more of a collaborative process where we're working like every single day on the project. Um, and then there's there's other projects that we're working on kind of similarly, where it's like it blends the line between publishing and developing in terms of like what yeah. you're offering, what you're working on. Um, yeah. And then the Alto games, those are developed by you all as well, right? Like that's not, or is there a partner there as well? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually like a partnership. So like uh, originally we were looking for artists to work on our game. And uh, we found Harry Nesbitt to work as a contract artist. We really like loved his style, and yeah. he started working on it. And then during the development, um, took a stab at uh, working on the programming side, and really had a knack for it. So uh, he's actually like the lead programmer and artist on my game. Um, oh, interesting. And then for yeah, so like we do like a lot of like the game design and sort of like the, the concepting and stuff, but like Harry did all the execution for sure, and he deserves a credit for that. Um, and then for Alto's Odyssey, uh, Joe Granger also was hired, so we expanded the team a little bit to work on that game, and we had our producer Eli Cmet working on the, the title at the time, full time. So uh, it's really like a, it's probably not traditional, but um, we found it works really well, where like we can use different people's skills and leverage those to make projects work a lot faster and work on different things at the same time yeah it's it's interesting i feel like you don't hear a ton about an independent publisher like the size of snowman kind of operating on like this global scale yeah it's crazy <laughs> um sure. it, yeah it's, it's wild like like we like uh when we first started like um the game the, the company started as a productivity app company um they made checkmark yeah. checkmark two um shifts a couple of different experiments and they did okay but like uh the, the first game was really an experiment in something that we loved and we wanted to take a stab at it was very much like a sort of a moonshot it's like why can't we try to make this like we have a reasonable amount of success let's try to get into this space and see what happens and it went mm -hmm. really really well so then we just kind of like move full, full full steam ahead in that direction and said like okay let's try to do something else similar like what else can we do this is a slightly different take uh skateboarding we understand skateboarding let's try to make a skateboarding game um yeah and then like we just slowly slowly grown and expanded and we definitely have our hands in a lot of pots
wise right now. Um, sure. Working on quite a few different projects. So yeah, it's awesome. Like it's really cool. I'm not sure if it's conventional, but uh, it works for us. <laughs> sure. So you all announced Skate City back in 2017, I believe. And I, I remember at the time being like really intrigued and excited that anyone was making a new skateboarding game. I mean, not that there weren't some coming out, but you know, it, it, it wasn't like when we started to see almost this renaissance of skateboarding games getting announced like skater XL and session. And now the new Tony Hawk and whatever the new skate is. I mean, like from your perspective, working on a skateboarding game, at that time, were you surprised to see a lot of developers were on the same wavelength there as you all? Yeah, I think it was, it was a, it's a pleasant surprise, really. Like, I think a lot of those, we're friends with the guys at Creature Studios, The Accession, and like we talked to them uh, probably about a year before they announced and like saw the product and were like, whoa, this is like super, super cool. I'd even considered trying to get involved at one point, but it was oh, just wow. like you, doing two skateboard games at the same time seemed like too much for us um yeah and like they had a good handle on what they're doing like obviously that game's awesome it's really really cool it's very different than what we did um mm. but yeah like when we were doing it it was like a no-brainer like we're like why are there no skateboarding games like it doesn't make any sense like they're super successful um maybe the big studios it's just not as much of a, like a, 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 as big of a return as they need on an investment like they'll just do uh 2k and madden forever right like those and, like right. those games just like crush it um, but there's a, this massive audience that loves skateboarding. Skateboarding is a really, really cool, unique sport. And I think more of the general audience is starting to realize that. And its image and its persona really is changing in so many different ways and expanding into so many different niches right now that it's like, it's kind of, yeah, it was a no-brainer to get into. Let's do like a realistic take on skateboarding. Let's do it on mobile. Let's try to expand that to a more... Uh, accessible audience so more people can get into it and see what this is like and do a slightly different take on it um, yeah but yeah like the fact in the last like six months to a year when like we just we came out and then like you see like tony hawks coming back skate just got announced skater xl like we weren't aware of that for like a little while until it sort of uh started getting tested in steam and like again mm -hmm. that's an awesome idea super super cool like proof of concept you can do something that's like the state hyper-realistic um, simulation, but involve physics in it and try to capture some of that really unique style that is like the essence of skateboarding. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, on, on one hand, like as a skateboarding game, or as a fan of skateboarding games, I have to imagine you're stoked on there being so many out there, but on the other hand, as a developer, like is it nerve-wracking that all of a sudden you have... I don't know, like competition in the space. Like if you launched a few years earlier, you all would have kind of been alone. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And like when you mentioned like announcing in 2017, we're like, okay, we've got this like game almost ready to go out the door. Like yeah. we're, we're laughing. It's going to be great. And then it took so long to like finish it off afterwards, which like is a, is a common thread. Like I think you'll hear from a lot of indie devs. Uh, but like I think at the core of that is just like, you have the game you want to make and you have to make it and like uh things always get left on the cutting room floor but there's certain things that like we just refuse to sort of jeopardize or um not see through to the end and a lot of that is usually like quality and making sure like there's a complete package and a vision mm. to take things forward um so you know 
we had we took the time that we needed, and I'm, I would never regret that. Um, had we come yeah. out like a year and a half earlier or a year earlier, like yeah, we could have been the only skateboarding game and had like. It's hard to say whether like we're impacted by other console titles because it's just such a different space, different audience, sure. and then like fundamentally different games and takes on skateboarding. But yeah, when you see like the the commercial for Skater XL come on, like you're like you have a moment like oh no, like here we go. There's gonna be a hundred <laughs> yeah. of these games and like we just like we were we're right on the tip of the sword at the right moment. But I think that yeah. that's really. It's not even a silver lining. I think that's like the, the, the lesson to take is that like we got in at a really good opportune time and we made a great skateboarding game and the fact that other mm. great skateboarding games are also filling that void is awesome because we just want to make sure. fun games and play fun games. So the more of those that are out there, the better. Of those other skateboarding games, what are the ones that stand out to you if you've had a chance to play any? Uh, yeah, so it, it, it like Session was so impressive when we first saw it. We're like, this is like an awesome idea uh, to sort of take what skate set up, evolve it, and, and coming from like an indie studio, that's super cool. Um, yeah. It's, I love that it's so difficult and they went right for that purest mentality of we're going to simulate skateboarding and it's going to feel like you're skateboarding. You're going to crash mm -hmm. 15 times before you can do this crooked grind. Like it's, it's very, yeah. very difficult and you have to earn your skills and earn your stripes. Um, that being said, I recently played Skater XL, probably only for like two nights with my friend, uh, just to kind of get yeah. like a, a, come to grips with it. And it's also pretty difficult. Like I, I had a, I had a bit of a time trying to like get the sticks under my thumbs. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. that might be difficult for a lot of people, but it, as a gamer, that's cool to see someone doing something completely new where you're not just like, yeah, I know what the pin is. I know exactly what these buttons do before I'm even like kind of told. Um, so yeah, like the physics system in Skater XL, I think is probably the coolest thing to come out um, in the yeah. space without toting around there. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I started playing Skater XL like literally two days ago, nice. and I do not like the skate games at all. So I didn't think I was gonna like this, and I'm surprised at how much i have been playing this thing like i love that game yeah. but anyway uh back to skate city the game i guess this is a good transition because you were talking about the controls of skater xl and with skate city it being on mobile is super interesting because it fundamentally changes the controls set up by like every skateboarding game ever that came before it i mean how hard was it to nail a, con a control scheme that worked with mobile and made sense for the player? Yeah, yeah, it's very, very difficult. Um, it's tough to come up with what tricks you want to include, probably most of all. Um, yeah. When we first got involved in the project, like Daniel had uh, the two radio wheels on either side of the screen, uh, mm -hmm. functioning essentially how a joystick would. But the decision to just make it a straight swipe in any one of the directions to execute a trick, and like so, you you swipe to load, and then you release to release to pop the trick. Just for anyone listening, uh, yeah. I think that was like the stroke of genius. Because if you tried to do anything more complex, like the skate games or like Skater XL or Session, where you have to like, it's kind of like you, you use both sticks at the same time to operate two feet. Like it would be too complicated, I think, for a touchscreen where there's. You could like we still get a lot of uh, feedback saying like like a, like when you swipe on any touchscreen, if you think you're swiping in a diagonal, 
you're actually much more likely to be swiping up or up or down or like horizontally. Like there's like a lot of data that like shows that. So the yeah. ranges for the diagonal tricks are actually much more forgiving. Like they take up a lot more of the screen than like the actual straight straight up and down horizontal ones. And like we oh, included wow. that after testing a lot to try to get the eight tricks that you can do on each in each quadrant of the screen a little bit more responsive and like to make people feel like they were doing what they intended. Um, so that was that was pretty difficult. Um, adding the extra wheels to the top two quadrants uh, was a, a long discussion. Like we were like, okay, how, how complex do you want to go with a mobile game? But it ultimately like skateboarding, it's all about complexity and versatility. So yeah. we, we chose to involve those upper quadrants as like unlockable sort of like expert moves that would give players a little bit more range including like grabs and like no complies and inward heel flips and all those kind of things that are just a little bit higher than like the basic moves basic move set um mm -hmm. and then yeah like like there's there's all like you you could always argue to the end of the day like which direction is heel flip which direction is kick flip but if you can ride regular and switch, and the and you don't want those directions to change because you want your players to be able to mentally map the controls, you have to make certain sacrifices. And mm. uh, like figuring all that out was like tons of debates, tons of play testing, um, and then ultimately like choosing like how to like tap and hold on the screen for like different grinds. Uh, you know, we could have gone a lot more complex to like do all kinds of different stuff, but ultimately. We settled on where we ended, uh, feeling that this is a move set that anyone can learn if they put in the time, um, and it's not like something where it's like, I think like this is a personal opinion, but with like skate skater XL session, like I think there's certain players that will never be able to enjoy those games because sure. the difficulty curve is so steep, uh, and it will it might turn people off, or they might just not be able to handle the controls. So we wanted we're like okay. A really accessible skateboarding game hasn't really been done uh, that well. Like even like uh, um, Skate or uh, some of the other mobile games that are. Uh, I, I'm not sure if like Tech Deck Simulator is the correct term, but like it's yeah. a skateboard. It's there's no body or there's just shoes, and like you can do everything you can do on a skateboard. But again, super hard to get used to. Like uh, I couldn't, I sure. couldn't come to grips with it. So yeah, we just wanted something that embodied the spirit of skateboarding. And captured like the feeling of like riding around your neighborhood streets and like and being able to session some of like the coolest spots and sort of like a dream run where like some of the most famous spots are like linked back and back and back and there's a lot of more emphasis on the atmosphere and like the stylization of skateboarding versus trying to be as realistic as possible. Yeah, I feel like the thing that struck me, and to compare it to you know the two titans in the re arena is like. It, the game kind of meets in the middle of Skate's more semi side of the controls and Tony Hawk's like pure arcade. Like yeah. the game has a learning curve, but once you get it, like you can start doing that's, you know, you can have like a Tony Hawk line in there, yeah. which I don't, it feels impossible in something like Skate. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Thank you. Uh, and like we, we wanted to straddle that line a bit because like we love both of those franchises and both of those sides, like, you can love skateboarding and the sim simulation part of it, but ultimately yeah. you're making a video game, and a video game is about doing things that you could never do in real life, and like being able to execute them reliably. Like you can do it 
over and over and over again. So if you master the controls, uh, you can make like crazy combos together. And we even have a lot of challenges that are like specifically uh, designed to that style of play. So it's like we wanted to have something for a lot of a lot of players. Like so, what, so no matter what you're looking for, like if you want to have like uh, a line follow session where like you're getting very specific tricks called out to you with no prompts and you're just testing your knowledge of skateboarding and like your fluency in the controls, there's that. But there's also mm -hmm. challenges that are like four minutes long where you have to score a hundred thousand points and you have to link, like you have to Rodney Mullen through the whole uh, level to kind of like meet those demands. I don't know if this is a compliment or not, but doing some of those <laughs> challenges, there were so many times where I almost threw my phone. Like, they get brutal <laughs> after a while. Yeah. Oh, believe me, I, I hear it all the time. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like, I, I, I do sympathize uh, with that. And, like, certain... It's always, like, like we don't want to make Bloodborne and, like, the, sure. the insane, crazy games where it's, like, it's for, like, 5% of the audience will beat it. But we also don't want to make a game that you've beaten like a day. You know what I mean? And with mobile, yeah. that's actually like kind of hard because like you're limited by how much content you can get in usually with an indie team. So mm -hmm. uh, we tried to scale the difficulty arc pretty carefully and considerately, where each level starts off a little bit easier, even though if you unlock the more uh, expensive levels, like it's a little bit harder from the start. But like to finish everything off, like we want that to feel like a badge. Like when we grew up with games, uh, and again, this is like a personal pace thing, but like it was really hard to beat video games. And like sometimes you only knew like one kid in the neighborhood who would actually beat it. Or you'd have to go get your yeah. older brother to come show you how to do something or something. Uh, so like we wanted a little bit of that. We did the same thing with Alto's Adventure. Like you can play Alto's Adventure in Zen mode and you can crash as many times as you want and play for as long as you want and just take in the atmosphere. But to beat mm -hmm. all the goals in the game, it's very very difficult like there's there's some really really sure. challenging ones so like again we're always trying to make sure there's something for everyone and to see how far we can take that arc and how high we can get it this is like a weird nerdy question but animating something like the different flip tricks especially complex flip tricks is that hard to nail on such a tiny screen and have it like visually translate to the player what trick they're actually doing under their character I feel like this is an unearned answer for me to give you because I didn't okay. do it myself. But yeah. uh, like the animations, like we're all incredibly proud of them. And like again, like mm -hmm. Daniel like nailed those to begin with. Like he's a skater; yeah. he knows exactly what it's supposed to look like. Uh, he put all the bones in, and he got it just right. Um, a lot more people like worked on the character models and stuff afterwards. But like, yeah, those initial animations. Uh, the way he described it were very difficult. Like I feel like that's a good question for him to like really get into and give you like, an honest sure. answer. But um, we consciously haven't touched them since. So uh, yeah, <laughs> like like do we want to add like laser flips and other things? Yeah, that would be really cool. But um, yeah, it's like we either do that because animation is such a tricky thing in video games, or we make a new mm. level. So it's like it's always a big yeah. toss up. Did you all ever talk about bringing it anywhere other than mobile, or was it always set in stone? Like, this is going to be a iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple TV type thing. Yeah, when we initially set out, this was a game completely designed and considered for touchscreens. Um, when the arcade opportunity came up late in development, um, it was a really, really exciting moment and like kind of like yeah. a once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity to seize. So we 
we just like, oh, let's try controller support. And it worked really, really well. Um, so we are going to make an announcement pretty soon about where else this game is coming to, but uh, it won't be mobile forever. How did Apple Arcade back in the back, you know, whenever it was they approached you all, what was their pitch for that whole system, that whole like subscription service they were coming up with? Again, it's like, it's timing, you know I mean? So many people are really talented and then there's always an element of luck that comes into onto the table. So like when we got into the app store and started working on games, we hit a really opportune time and then like chose really, really intelligent, hardworking people to work with and the products mm -hmm. spoke for themselves. And then we really worked to um, sort of sharpen our relationship with Apple. Um, yeah. And then we tried to really look at their design tenants and see how they approach their businesses and how they make things. And then, you know, it's, it, if you're making anything for any platform, you should always do that and really consider what's the most important things to these people, what should you try to take advantage of. So we tried to do that as much as possible and we have a really good relationship with them. So um, we were lucky enough to be able to be included in like the pitch for release. Um, mm -hmm. When we heard of the concept, we were like, this is an absolute, like the most amazing opportunity for an indie dev. Like releasing That's something great. to the App Store or the Google Play Store is really scary. Like apps are incredibly expensive. I know most people probably know that listening, but like some people, like you, you always get that call from a friend being like, hey, I've got an app idea. It's like, yeah. okay, like they're very expensive and it takes a lot of people to work on something and make it really polished for a long time. Um, so when you, when you work on something for so long, it's a huge investment sink, releasing it into an environment where unfortunately a lot of the population expects it to be absolutely free or delivered for on pennies on the dollar makes it yeah. uh, like a really nerve wracking experience. And you have to really get a little bit crafty and think about how you can turn that into a business, how can you keep food on the table for everyone that you're employing? And I think that forced a lot of people's hands into the freemium model because so many really gigantic companies had so like, such ungodly success with like uh, Candy Crush and stuff like they, that, that sells so much better than like AAA titles. Like there's so much money going into those yeah. games, but um, there's not, as much room for creativity and doing different things in that space. Like there are some people that really do freemium titles really well and like do really interesting things. But if you, for the kind of games we want to play and like the ones we grew up on being like, okay, this is a game where you start playing and you're playing and that's it. There's no ads coming in. Like when I'm watching YouTube, I want to just watch like the thing I'm there. I don't want to see commercials. And that's why it was so amazing. Like coming away from TV and going to Netflix and stuff, was so awesome, mm -hmm. like escaping that advertisement, like brigade, barrage, and yeah. uh, we didn't want to work in that space in games. But unfortunately, that that is the reality for a lot of developers, and like I felt no one for who takes that approach and tries to monetize their game. It's a business; you have to take care of your bottom yeah. line. But uh, Apple Arcade was just like, here's a space where you can. They want you to try new things and like push the boundaries and get creative and make premium experiences because those games were doing so poorly in the uh, the environment that was just dominated by free-to-play and the expectation. So they mm -hmm. were like, hey, the subscription model is working really, really well for so many things. What if we did that um, with premium titles? Like, people like playing premium games as soon as they start playing them. If you make the entry point uh, sort of appetizing enough and 
the reward big enough, which like, you know, they have so many games in that service, then yeah. it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. And if you try it, you'll probably like it. Something I'm wondering about, and I, I don't know if you can say numbers or anything like that, but was Apple also like giving good financial incentives for people to be included in Apple Arcade? Because, you know, you're not paying per game anymore. They're paying for the service and then getting the game through that. So was there like an upfront cost they were giving people? Yeah, I can't really uh, speak honestly to like the situation for how it works for everyone sure. else because it's it's all confidential and like uh, yeah. a, a certain amount of like our, like uh, the biggest amount of our professionalism lies on respecting that. But um, sure. we were very happy with the situation and it was a no brainer. Um, mm-hmm. I think most indie developers that want to make the type of games that we like playing and making would probably agree. Interesting. Something the game press loves to do is if there's not a headline about something (laughs) for two or three days, then that service is dead. And I've been hearing (laughs) it about Apple Arcade recently um, in our echo chamber the game press lives in. But I I guess I, I don't know, you know, almost a year out, is Apple Arcade like still, I mean, fr- from what you all are seeing, um, is, is it still going strong? Are you all still getting any data about how your games are doing on that service? Yeah, I would disagree with that sentiment. Um, Interesting. It, it's, sure. it's, I think it's on one hand, it's because like the, there was so much press about it initially, which is awesome to see for mobile games. Um, yeah. Because it's a new model, it's a new subscription, it's, it's the future of gaming, everyone keeps saying, and like obviously that feels like it's true, whether it's streaming, downloading, mm-hmm. having the option to play a library uh, for a monthly cost is like taking over every single different demographic in any product range. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, things, things are still, we're still incredibly happy. Um, we're still pitching games to the service. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see any signs for that. So it might be sort of like a perceived thing just because uh, when they come out with like a, a couple new titles a month or a new title a month, it's not the same as we have a hundred new games for $5 sure, a month. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean, I guess Apple maybe doesn't release raw numbers for us to see something tangible, but I yeah, it's 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 cool and interesting to hear that, you know, that service is still kicking because I think a lot of us were like genuinely curious because we had no clue what ha- what is happening, you know, 10 months from launch. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of like I don't know if it's like ubiquitous across industries, but like I hear a lot of people talking about that. Like it's you have a, a, a service that's subscription-based like Netflix. And yeah. I've heard like comedians talk about releasing specials or like shows. And then they're like, okay, how's it doing? And then the executives are like, oh, we're very happy. Like the people making it don't even get like the information. Or at least that's what they're sure. saying, right? Uh, yeah. So like there, there's a lot of like funding involved in, in those kind of situations. And like obviously like content has never really been stronger no matter where you go. Um, you can mm. find just incredible stuff coming out on such a frequent basis it's i think everyone has like an overwhelming feeling about it and that's like the whole subscription fatigue thing uh yeah which is one thing that's kind of interesting as a game developer like you have to like when you're part of a service that has so many titles in it you have to think about like how are you going to break through and get eyes and get players playing your game and and hold retention because you're there's a lot of like stiff competition like there's a lot of really great games in that service um i think apple does a really good job at promoting the games and like giving everyone like their chance at the spotlight which is pretty pretty awesome um mm-hmm. to be in that 
relatively small pond still. Like this, it's Apple Arcade's been out for not even a year yet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when the App Store was out for a year, like where was it compared to like five years down the line, ten years down the line? Like they're sure. like they have they have a billion phones out there. So I, I only see yeah. it growing personally, but uh, that's just my take. What was when you when you put the game out? What was some of the feedback you all got from press and players about it? Oh man, that's always like the easiest thing to like comment on. Like, <laughs> it's it's so rewarding. Like when you, I think like I, I I would be hard pressed to find a, a, a new dev out there that doesn't say tell you the line like I make the game to get to connect with people and see what they think and have them enjoy a game. Like I try I enjoyed a game once upon a time, and yeah, yeah the feedback has been incredible um like we have a super high rating we have like thirty thousand reviews i think on the app store oh wow um holy and shit it's like, that's yeah. so many <laughs> yeah and so many people like there's some really awesome ones from people like our age that have similar experience from us that are like hey i skated for like 10 years 20 years and then i got hurt and now i can't do it anymore or, i have a family i have a job i can't skate anymore but like this reminds me of what skateboarding is like and like that's yeah. sort of like that's like the core spirit of the game and there's kids that like love it um i remember demoing it with like a couple kids for the first time and that was like like the really like big aha moment was like i was like this kid was sitting beside me and he was like bouncing on the couch laughing playing the game and i was like man this is awesome like that's so cool that like they enjoy this uh yeah but it's it's not all like a one-way street like a lot of people uh don't like it or say like oh i want this in it or i wish this was in it or like why can't you do this, this, and this, and make it more like this game? Um, or there are people that really uh, that just don't have access to it since we are in a locked subscription, and there's a sure. lot of like desire there for the game. And I, I definitely sympathize with those players. You know, like we we promoted it for a really long time, and like people got to see mm-hmm. it, look at this game, and they wanted to experience it. And you know, um, and like it was the best business decision for us to like this is kind of getting back to what we we're talking about with the app store like if you invest a certain amount into a, a game that takes three years you have to guarantee as much as you can that you're it's going to be successful so that you can keep employing your staff and taking care of the people that made it um and then reach the most amount of people as possible so with arcade mm-hmm. like we were look, we're looking down the road but like, we think that service is going to grow a ton and like i mentioned this game isn't going to be just there we're going to bring it to other places and we will have news actually very soon on that. Um, I won't. I won't. I won't mention just yet. But uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm kind of ranting. But like, yeah. The, the the experience of like hearing how people uh, enjoy the game is awesome. And then when people don't, it's like you you try to learn what you can from those comments and processes. Change where you can and like, uh, yeah. Adapt. Adapt when you can. Awesome. Has Apple been cool with you all bringing? you know, an Apple Arcade game or an Apple Arcade launch game even to whatever platforms you may be bringing it to next? Like, have they been cool with that? Yeah, if you look at a lot of the launch titles in Apple Arcade, they sign, some sim-launched across lots of different titles. Like, Sayonara Wild yeah. Arts came out uh, oh, right. on everything, yeah. and they won an Apple Design Award. So, like, I think right. that is, like, sort of, like, a mark of how much they hold up the art and not, like, where it's coming to. Everyone has their mm-hmm. own specific contracts, I'm sure, and like their own agreement to how long you are in the service. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like ours is unique compared to someone else's. Um, but yeah, as soon as, like as soon as we can, we are gonna like expand and bring the game to more people because 
you know, every developer wants more people to play their game and be able to play their game, and that is our ultimate goal. Yeah, I guess um, you all just put out the Alto Collection a week or two ago on PS4, Xbox, oh, yeah. and PC, correct? Yeah. Has has that has bringing you know that game which started on mobile and I guess was on mobile for the first one five years or so has yeah. bringing that to other platforms? Have you seen a lot of have a lot of people picked it up being able to play it on console? Yeah, it's done really well. It was it was very awesome. much like any of our moves. It was experimental. And we wanted to, we're always trying to expand and do something uh, a little bit new and different each time we make anything. That's sort of like one of the fundamental philosophies and goals. And yeah. so if you're going to start trying to see what the console space is like, you shouldn't set out to make Killzone or <laughs> like anything, you know what I mean? So yeah. we're like, okay, like a lot of like ports often come from console to mobile later on when they're trying to just expand their demographic or uh, get as much as they can out of their game. And that totally makes sense. But we were seeing a lot of games simship or come out on consoles later. And like just having experiences like playing games on my Switch that are like I could buy on mobile or uh, even games on my PlayStation where like I, I could get Donut County on my phone. And it's a great game with the touchscreen. But when I'm like yeah. lying in bed and going to bed and trying to relax, I want to like be a thieverous raccoon and just fall sure. off the town on my console it's nice to play on the tv so um yeah we were lucky enough to be in a position where it made sense to try that out and see how it worked and mm. uh and bring both games into like one collection and make that product feel like it belonged in the space it was and uh i think anyone who plays the alto games will enjoy it on the big screen like it's it's a really yeah. great experience yeah, I picked it up and played it, and I, I don't think I was skeptical about how like it would translate to console, but I, I, I didn't know if it was going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, this thing that felt amazing on touchscreen doesn't feel right on my DualShock Four, but like, <laughs> yeah, I really, I really enjoy that port. Like, I picked it up and I was like, I'm just gonna check out the first levels, and I played for like fucking two, three hours. Or oh, something. awesome! So, yeah, yeah, it works. It works great. I like it. I really like that port. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's such an interesting point of conversation. Uh, the sort of like almost universal disdain for mobile games in like the console space, right? Like this huge mental sure. hurdle that you have to get over to consider uh, a quote unquote mobile game on your like four five hundred dollar machine. But um, yeah. I think that's something like the industry is going to slowly adapt to. Like, mm -hmm. the, the, the basis I use for it is, like, I love watching movies. I love going to the theater. I love watching eight-minute bits on YouTube. I'll watch yeah. a 30-second TikTok and laugh my ass off. All sure. those things are sort of the same medium, but it's all for, like, a different time in a different place. Uh, do I want to buy, yeah. like, the next $80 AAA title that comes out? Like, I just got Ghost of Tsushima. Amazing mm -hmm. game. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. It will take me no less than two years to beat. Because, like, I don't have time to invest in these huge, gargantuan stretches in this amazing world. It's like, they are great, but I think uh, gaming is going to become a lot more accessible to more people. And sometimes you just want to pick up a game on your phone and play around with it a little bit. And, like, it can be beautiful. Yeah. It can be immersive. It can function in different ways. It can serve to relax you versus frustrate you doesn't always have to be challenging i think games can be a lot of different things and 
the industry is really just scratching the surface there. Yeah, I think like, I, I mean, I can't say definitively, but I feel like the Switch kind of swung the pendulum there where that game really bridged the gap of being a console and a handheld really well that it's even changed the way like I think about the games I want to play. Like I, I am now finding myself playing bigger AAA whatever you want to call them games and be like, man, I wish this was on handheld where I used to never think that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Big time, big time. Yeah. And like, yeah, like Nintendo always does such cool things and has been like such an outsider forever, even though they're like the biggest headful of gaming or like one of the biggest yeah. ones. And yeah, but that I think that move is so underappreciated. Like the fact that they have a handheld that operates on pretty affordable hardware and mm-hmm. I'll play Zelda or uh, Mario Odyssey and I'll play it in handheld mode. I, I'll, I can easily put it in my dock, but I just want to sit on my couch and play like I'm on a Game Boy. And I think there's like a certain aspect of like nostalgia maybe from like my childhood. But um, sure. like my girlfriend does the same thing and she didn't grow up with Game Boys like that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it, there's something that's like tangible about like having a device that's that personal and like close to you and being able to like play a fun game or a more serious game and yeah like i just think that's the way it's going do you think that's something that will trickle down or maybe even already has trickled down to something like an iphone or an ipad because of the switch yeah okay so like streaming is going to get very interesting over the next uh few years i think as every platform tries to be become available on every different device like you you see like microsoft and epic making these big moves yep. and getting shut down and like there's there's actions going on in court and everyone wants to be able to be accessible everywhere and like what the 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 place where phones are at hardware and software wise is pretty mm-hmm. close to a nintendo switch like uh yeah. and and if you can have servers do the work for you and stream experiences to your phone and you know 5g comes along and and it is, becomes effective eventually where you can play those things anywhere you want like it's a no-brainer like those big companies are gonna have they're gonna have to figure that out i think Um, sure so yeah i think everything is going to be accessible everywhere and you're either gonna want to hang out on your couch for a lazy sunday and play on your tv or you're gonna want a a 10-minute session on the subway doing the exact same thing playing call of duty yeah it's it's coming i think like there's no kind of question about it well i guess last question for you then is What's the future for Skate City? What can you tell me about what's coming next with updates or anything like that? Oh man, it's just as fast as we can get it all out, the best. Like we've got so much stuff planned for this game. Uh, and that's yeah. like another cool thing about being in arcade, right? Like not only is it a, a game as a service, but that's the expectation. So mm-hmm. uh, as long as it's like it makes sense, we're going to be updating this game and making it bigger. Um, we have a new level that's coming out uh, in September. Um, we'll we'll announce the exact date in a couple weeks with a trailer and everything. But um, yeah, we've been looking at, we've been asking our fans, we've been looking at locations. We know everyone wants more levels, um, most of all, and they just take the longest to make. So our first one's coming out in September. We have a couple more that'll come out during the year. Uh, We also have a really cool new game mode that's coming out that's going to be a little bit more competitive and offer you sort of like an opportunity to come back and play in sort of a fresh way every time you approach the game. So I think that will also be a really welcome 
surprise for a lot of players because it's not something that's represented in the game currently. Um, it's still under development, so I can't go into too many details, but that's coming out after the next level. And yeah, uh, yeah we'll be coming to, to other platforms pretty soon as well, which is pretty exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Definitely. Thank you to Jeffrey Kieschlick, Jeremy Bull, J.V. Gwaltney, and Kenneth Shepard for supporting How I Made That at $10 and or above on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash Blake Hester. The theme for this show is Beyond Nostalgia by 3D Blast off the album Iconic Bitch. 